0: with 100% online master's or specialist degrees in fields like teaching, leadership, higher education, and more. More information at rebelteacher.com.
1: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, October 16th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, find out why Mississippi environmental groups hope a bill headed to President Donald Trump's desk for his signature will end a local project.
2: There's a a widespread growing opposition from all sectors recognizing that this project is bad for our environment, for our communities and our economy. And the people of Mississippi and the people of Louisiana and the people of the greater Gulf region deserve better.
1: Then, after a conversation in StoryCorps, we'll hear from healthcare officials on why you and your children should get a flu vaccination this year. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi environmental groups hope a federal bill President Donald Trump is expected to sign will end a proposed project they say is destructive. The U.S. Senate recently passed the Water Resources Development Act, and its language affects a controversial proposal to dam and dredge the Pearl River called the One Lake Project. The local project sponsor is the Rankin Hines Pearl River flood and drainage control district. Some say it will create a nearly two thousand acre lake that will provide new development waterfront property and offer flood protection. Critics disagree, saying the proposed plan will devastate Mississippi's Pearl River and have far-reaching repercussions. Jill Mastataro is Policy Director at Audubon, Mississippi. She says there are downstream concerns about negative impacts on the Mississippi Sound, the state's seafood industry, and coast restoration, among others. She tells MPB's Desiree Frazier It also has impacts across state lines.
2: The lower Pearl River is actually a shared resource between Mississippi and Louisiana. And so the the Louisiana congressional delegation, communities, local community leaders, and and many others in our neighboring state have risen up in opposition uh, against the proposal as well, recognizing that one like also poses a serious threat, to their uh, environmental and economic well-being, too. And so um, this new um, language that was uh, inserted into this water, federal water resources bill significantly ratchets up the scrutiny and accountability for one lake to move forward. Um, and this is a tremendous uh, step in the right direction um, that uh, demonstrates Clearly, uh, political cons- concerns from both uh, Louisiana and Mississippi leaders, but also joining the voices of many businesses, public interest groups, conservation interests, and citizens um, across uh, Mississippi and Louisiana, and really the the greater Gulf region who think this this project is incredibly destructive um, both to uh, the way of life of, of what we consider for us being connected to our coast uh, and our waters and our resources here in, in Mississippi and in the, in the Gulf region, but also to our economy as well.
3: Well, it sounds like a real estate development that is going to uh, beautify that area, so to speak, would be a welcome thing for the Jackson area.
2: So this proposal Stemmed from the historic 1979 Easter flood um, that was followed by a number of flood plans that were developed by the Federal Army Corps of Engineers. And about 20 years ago, a local businessman uh, stepped up with an idea to create um, a, a lake or a series of lakes around the city of Jackson. Uh, that would require damming the Pearl River, and um, dredging the river, and and doing a host of, of other, of uh, ecologically damaging things. And what uh, the federal uh, and state um, research had shown into this proposal thus far is that it was actually the most environmentally destructive, economically unsound proposal um, that had been put on the table. And we're you know 20 years um, later. This is still found to be the most environmentally destructive, economically unfound proposal thus far. Um, and so clearly that is reflected in the widespread uh, public opposition against the project. Uh, we recently had our uh, federal uh, Fish and Wildlife Agency uh, recognize that this was indeed the most damaging plan uh, proposed thus far and actually recommended that the plan go back to the drawing books and create a a second draft in order for public and and scientific agency review. We've had uh, Congressman Benny Thompson, whose uh, district the project resides in, come out expressing strong concerns and strong objections to the project.
3: Is it that it dredges the river? and would get rid of uh, some trees?
2: So the, the project would dredge 10 miles of the Pearl River, and it would destroy over 2,500 acres of wildlife habitat. Um, and it includes taking all of that dredge material, that sediment that's dug from the Pearl River, and using that as fill material to build up the floodplain in that part of the river to then... ALLOW FOR NEW DEVELOPABLE WATERFRONT PROPERTY. ONE OF THE MAJOR CONCERNS THAT WE HAVE ASSOCIATED WITH THE DREDGING OF THIS MATERIAL, WE'RE TALKING ABOUT 25 MILLION CUBIC YARDS OF SEDIMENT, IS THAT THERE ARE THREE LEGACY um, CONTAMINATED HAZARDOUS WASTE SITES THAT WOULD BE DIRECTLY IMPACTED BY THE DREDGING. and so we're talking about an old creosote wood treatment facility and two unpermitted landfills, along with at least five other highly contaminated properties that have been identified in the the footprint of the proposal. And then then that material would be disturbed and used as fill that then would uh, have buildings and structures and. Um, you know, people in contact with some really highly contaminated material, and so.
3: How will the Infrastructure Act uh, prevent this from moving forward or delay it?
2: So the the legislation actually sets a high bar, uh, a much higher bar, for the project to move forward. In that, the Secretary of the Army has to ensure that the project is technically feasible economically justified and environmentally acceptable in order for the project to move forward with any early construction or design.
3: Well, Jill Mastro-Totero with the Audubon Mississippi, we really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us about this issue. Thank you so much for your time.
2: Thank
1: you. Keith Turner, the attorney for the Rankin-Hines Pearl River Flood District, told the Clarion-Ledger at a public hearing in July, one lake will prevent a devastating flood like the one in 1979. He said another flood like that would be a multi-billion dollar problem. Coming up, we'll hear from healthcare officials on why you and your children should get a flu vaccination this year. But first, did you know you can listen to MPB News on all your devices? Just download the MPB Public Media app or tell your smart speaker, open MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
3: Clementine
4: Cooper grew up on a farm in the Mississippi Delta near the small town of Leland. She was part of a sharecropping family. On this visit to the StoryCorps mobile booth in Jackson, Cooper talks about what that childhood was like and what her family did to get by. The sharecropping experience right outside of Leland, the sharecropping farm, had a shanty shack on it. What you see in in movies and whatnot and in books, everybody primarily know the shanty shack is like one huge room. Uh, wood-burning heater at that time and things of that nature. He worked very hard to chop the cotton and, and to pick the cotton and to harvest the cotton and all of that. We stayed at my, my grandmother's house in Leland, in the city, when we first got there. In those days, the children were allowed to sit among the elders sometimes, mostly in the evening time, and these were the storytelling times. My favorite story that my mother would tell us was about the 1927 flood when the levee broke in Greenville, Mississippi, and flooded the whole area, the Delta area there. She talked about the winds and rains and how they mounted up. And and after the levee broke, she talked about the bodies of animal and human bodies that flowed and floated down. These flood waters that even passed by their house and how they were taken to some Indian mounds because that was high land. It would just be so wonderful to hear that story, but it kind of makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck. And you, you could see it. You could visualize what Mother was telling you in that. And consequently, in that, it made her afraid of storms mm-hmm. uh, as a young child. She was seven years old when the 27th flood Very young. occurred. The Delta ha- held very wonderful memories. The sharecropping experience was not so good, but out of those experiences of the sharecropping, we had family gatherings, and we would go to town to my grandmother's house on Friday, stay Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, walk to town. Leland was a very small town, and we would walk to town with Mom and Daddy and all the relatives, and you could hear... The Jook joint music playing and you could smell the fish frying and the chicken and everybody was having big fun. It was a time of closeness with most people because everybody had the same sort of economic background and there was a lot of poverty. But it was a lot of joy and spirit of giving during those times because whatever family had, they shared with each other. When they had hog-killing time, when they had harvesting time of the vegetables and whatnot. And I remember sitting on my grandmother and great-grandmother's porch because my grandmother, -grandmother, great-grandmother, great-aunt, all of them lived together. Families lived together at that time and took care of the elders as well as the elders giving them wise counsel and living until death with their family members. But I remember sitting on the porch and we would have bushels of peas to shell and bushes of corn to shuck. The ladies would be in the kitchen canning all of the wonderful preserves and vegetables and soup stocks and things to last during the winter. So they were stocking up for the winter. Wonderful. To hear more of our conversations from the StoryCorps mobile tour, go to mpbonline.org. The StoryCorps Mobile Tour visited Mississippi through a partnership with the Mississippi Humanities Council, the MPB Foundation, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
1: Your old car is kind of like that hairstyle you had in high school. Really cool back in the day. But that old car is still cool when you donate it to MPB Think Radio. Go to mpbonline.org for details. Then sit back and enjoy the ride.
3: Now that's cool.
1: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Experts are encouraging all eligible Mississippians to get a flu vaccination. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the 2017-18 flu season was a high-severity season filled with record-breaking levels of influenza illness and hospitalization rates throughout the country. They say everyone six months and older, even the healthiest people, should get a flu vaccine now. Dr. Melissa Rolfs is an expert with the CDC. She tells us flu season is not easy to predict, but it is indeed coming.
5: The timing of flu is really unpredictable, and really the season before it happens is very unpredictable. So what we know for this coming flu season is that there will be flu, and it will come, and there will be a peak. Um, But what we know from last season is that it was really bad last season. There were record-breaking rates of hospitalization, record-breaking rates and um, activity of flu in the outpatient clinics and emergency departments and also record-breaking numbers of deaths.
1: Last year, the flu vaccination was something like 20%, 25% accurate or provided that kind of coverage. Is it better this year? Do you know what you're dealing with in terms of the type of flu?
5: Well, we actually don't quite know what we're going to encounter this season. Um, we, We do know that um, the vaccine um, contains four different influenza viruses, two influenza A viruses that typically circulate in our country, as well as two influenza B viruses that can also circulate. And so the international community has come together and chosen those four viruses, and, and we really hope that they're, those viruses are a good match for what we're going to see this season. The effectiveness we saw last season in the influenza vaccine is about what we would expect against um, the virus that was predominantly circulating, and that was an H3N2 influenza A virus. And the effectiveness of the vaccine can be a little bit lower against that type of virus, but despite that lower effectiveness, influenza vaccine is our most durable and our best way to prevent against flu. And what it it does, it, it prevents you from getting flu, but it also might prevent you from getting a severe form of flu. If you do, in fact, get flu, so it's a it's a good vaccine. Um, it's it's not perfect, but it is our our best tool in our, our toolbox, and it's it's really good for people to get vaccinated.
1: If we get our flu shot right now, are we covered for the year for the whole season?
5: Yeah, we think so. Um, and yes, you are um, getting it now is a great thing. Um, we really encourage people to get flu vaccine vaccine before flu activity circulates in your community. And so now is a really good time because we're seeing low levels of flu activity throughout the country. Um, and so everyone, this is a great opportunity to get vaccinated. And any, anyone um, aged six months and older can get va- the flu vaccine. And we encourage everyone six months and older to get flu vaccine, and particularly those at, at high risk for flu complications, and that includes um, people age 65 and older, young kids under five years old, um, pregnant women, and and people with underlying medical conditions, um, even something as common as asthma, um, heart disease, diabetes, people with those conditions um, tend to be at greater risk of getting complications if they do get infected with the flu virus.
1: There is the usual um, shot, but there's also a nasal vaccine. Who can have that?
5: Yeah, um, anyone... I think over the age of two, can get that flu mist, that nasal spray, it is available. Um, Certainly ask your doctor about whether that's something that is available to you to get immunized against um, influenza, Um, but it is sort of a nice thing to have back in our arsenal um, that those people who are, are sort of a little afraid of needles, they can still get vaccinated against flu.
1: All right, let's talk about preventing the flu. If you work in an area where there are a lot of people and people get sick, how do you avoid getting sick?
5: Yeah, well, we we recommend a sort of a three-step approach, the first one being that flu vaccine. Get that every year. That's a really great way and our most durable way to prevent the flu. But then there are also really good things and actions you can take every day. Um, and that will stop the spread of flu, and that will also stop the spread of other germs. And this is avoiding contact with sick people and washing your hands frequently before you eat and um, trying not to touch your face, things like that. And then if you do get sick, um, our third recommendation is to take flu antivirals if your doctor prescribes them. Those antivirals can make you feel better really quickly and get you back up on your feet and back to doing what you love to do.
1: What about Tamiflu? Is that very effective? If you're in a household with someone who has the flu, would you take Tamiflu? Or if you only if you get the flu can you take it?
5: If you get the flu, your doctor will prescribe it to you, and, and you'll go to a pharmacy and get that prescription filled. The, what, what you might be talking about is um, prophylaxis using Tamiflu. Like if you, if someone's in your household and is sick, you who are not sick would consider taking Tamiflu. That's not um, a standard recommendation. Oh, okay, for okay. flu. So um, if, if you're in a household with someone who does have the flu and you're not sick, um, doing those, those really good hand hygiene activities and staying away from, from your, your family member or, or friend who's sick is a really good thing. That's probably your best protection is to just, Distance yourself from the sick person and wash your hands a lot.
1: Dr. Melissa Rolfs is with the Centers for Disease Control. Thank you so much, Dr. Rolfs.
5: You're very welcome. Thank you.
1: Mississippi's Department of Health is urging people to make sure their children get their flu shot soon. State epidemiologist Dr. Paul Byers says last year, 180 children died from flu related illness. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier pediatric seasonal flu is a major concern.
0: We know that children can sometimes be one of the most vulnerable sections of our population, and we we do know that children can be more prone to severe outcomes that can occur as a result of uh, becoming infected with influenza. The best way to prevent children from having those complications that can result from a flu infection is to get them vaccinated. You know, every year in the United States, we have pediatric influenza-associated deaths that occur. Last year was a bad year nationwide. There were over 100 pediatric deaths, and we had three in Mississippi. The important piece to understand about that is that nationwide, 80% of the uh, children who died from influenza-related complications were not vaccinated, so if we can stress that, very important. Parents, have your children vaccinated.
3: Were you able to find out why the children weren't vaccinated? Was it access, affordability?
0: You know, we have wide access to, to influenza vaccines now, um, and and they're everywhere. You know, your doctor's office, certainly you can come to the health department to get vaccinated. Not only are is it important for you to vaccinate your child, It's also important for you as a parent to be vaccinated to help protect your child and to help protect yourself and those other vulnerable people in our population.
3: Some people say, I don't get the flu shot because I did get it and I got the flu.
0: The flu vaccine does not give you the flu. Sometimes it can make you um, have some soreness at your arm, sometimes some very transient low-grade fever, but the the flu vaccine does not cause influenza, and it doesn't give individuals who get vaccinated the flu.
3: Is there anyone who should not get the flu shot? Well,
0: it's a very small percent of the population. Certainly uh, children less than six months of age should not be vaccinated. Uh, individuals who have severe allergies to eggs uh, or other components within the vaccine, and there is an alternative for folks who now have severe allergy to eggs that um, that is a vaccine that doesn't contain any egg products, and that's available as well. So The reasons not to get the flu vaccine are relatively few. If you're not sure, check with your physician. But really, the recommendation is anyone who wants to protect themselves and their loved ones from influenza should be vaccinated.
3: And for folks who've never had the flu, what are the symptoms like?
0: You know, for most of us who are healthy, the symptoms can be you know, it's a it's a bad illness. If you've ever had the flu, it makes you feel really bad. Um, but most of us recover, and the typical symptoms are going to be sore throat, fever, cough. Certainly, it can lead to some muscle aches, severe tiredness and weakness. So it makes you feel bad, but most of us recover. For a few of us, it can lead to severe complications resulting in hospitalizations and death.
3: What about the cost, you know, for those who maybe can't afford it?
0: So we do have a program for children, for the Vaccines for Children's program, uh, and eligible children can get vaccinated at the health department for $10. So it's very affordable. And certainly, you know, like we said, um, pharmacies, private physicians uh, carry vaccine as well. So it's widely available now.
3: Anything that I didn't ask you that's important about talking about the flu?
0: It's especially important if you're a caregiver for those folks who are at higher risk or for children to help protect them from infection with flu. We know that the flu vaccine is very good at preventing those complications that can occur. And we can't stress that enough, that that needs to be a consideration and that everyone should get vaccinated.
3: Dr. Byers with the Health Department, we really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us about this. Thank you. Thank you. Flu shots are now
1: available at all State Department of Health county clinics. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Money Talks. Then at 10 o'clock, it's In Legal Terms. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking. We want to hear from you. Let us know what you think about a story or send us a news tip by visiting MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio.
0: Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education with 100% online master's or specialist degrees in fields like teaching, leadership, higher education, and more. More information at rebelteacher.com.